0: hey what's up everybody it is sunday july 2nd 2023 and welcome to a brand new episode of the now mind you podcast this Mm -hmm. is episode 72 combat i'm tj i'm matt bryce had a work conflict but hopefully knock on wood he should be back next week with that what do we have for you guys today well matt's going to go over the boxing heavyweight uh, event that went on last night at the time of this recording with grant anderson versus i forget his first name martin Right. Jared Anderson. Jared. Oh, my goodness. Jared Anderson versus, versus Charles Martin versus Charles Martin. Oh, my. I flubbed that hard, huh? But we're not <laughs> going to edit it because that's just what it is. And then after we get through Anderson versus Martin, we'll talk about UFC Fight Night Strickland versus Maga Madoff. Uh, spoilers ahead if you haven't checked this out yet. Uh, But at this point, you should be used to our format, right? Go ahead, Matt. Take us into Anderson versus Martin.
1: All right. So. We had Jared Anderson with his main event fight that he had last night um, against Charles Martin, former world heavyweight champion. Um, Charles Martin is six foot five, 37 years old from St. Louis, uh, a Southpaw fighter. Um, you know, went, uh, ended up going 23 and 0 on his way to winning a IBF heavyweight title. Uh, unfortunately he did lose that to joshua anthony joshua that is back in 2016 Uh, has had a mixed bag of uh, success in that time Um, however he after stacking up a few wins um, he was able to fight jared anderson for the intercontinental wbo uh uh inter yeah I'm, i'm sorry not intercontinental the international wbo heavyweight title um, this for Jared Anderson Who pretty much is uh, One of the young guys that Top Rank is Trying to invest in um, 6 foot 4 23 years old from Toledo, Ohio This was an Ohio show um, They were at the Huntington Center This event featured a bunch Of uh, marquee guys that are from Ohio uh, Another one which of which Being uh, Abdullah Mason uh, Who also won his fight last night Shout out to him um, Jared Anderson Pretty much is, like I said, it's kind of being looked at like he's going to be the next guy, 14 and 0. And this was set to be like a real first test for him, being um, the fact that this was a former heavyweight champion. Mm -hmm. This is the first guy in his career that he did not stop. Mm -hmm. He fought Charles Martin all 10 rounds. It looked like it was going to be more of some of the things we had seen before. Um, He dropped Charles Martin like in a second round of this fight. With a with an overhand right countering over his left hand, um. After that, you know, uh, Charles Martin did a good job of kind of just fighting like a veteran, stand on his bike, you know, circling around, using the, utilizing his jab. But once he he would you know kind of cl- get those cobwebs cleared, he would go right back to trying to put the gas on Jared Anderson himself, and he actually managed to to physically hurt Jared Anderson quite a few times where put him on unsteady legs and on wobbly legs and um he even was able to do that within the final 10 seconds of the fight itself Um, uh he was able to put jared in danger with a straight left hand Uh, the left hand was working for him the straight left worked for him straight right was working for jared um it was just it was a good fight for jared to grow from it was a good fight for as a test to see where Jared was and for him to go all 10 rounds and see if he had the gas tank to go 10 rounds. Mm -hmm. So ultimately uh, Jared Anderson won a unanimous decision victory over Charles Martin last night, Um, picked up that belt and you know, the future looks bright for him. (laughs) Excuse me. Uh, The future looks really bright for him right now, you know, with him being 23 years old and, to get a victory like that, you know, to begin 10 rounders under your belt and to have previously never had a fight, go all 10 rounds. You know what I'm saying? His, the longest fight of this kid's career was six rounds. Hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? That to be able to go 10 and be able to really look good, I guess you could say not, I guess like not on some hater stuff, but I'm saying like he didn't get dropped. He didn't go down. Yeah, and he dropped charles martin you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. he was able to tough it out um it showed that he had good instincts even in the moments where he was hurt so that's really all i have to say about it ultimately i don't really have anything else to add uh unless you want to add anything if you saw it or we could just hop over to uh the ufc
0: i missed it so let's hop over to the ufc um so we got UFC fight night, Strickland versus Magomedov taking, pay, uh, taking place at the Apex Arena in Las Vegas. Um, where do we go? We got uh the opener was Fajeda versus Ruzuboyev at lightweight, then we had Bonfim versus Sandini at middleweight. We had Lipsky versus Gado at women's flyweight, Griffin versus Morales at welterweight, then for our uh fourth fight of the night, we had no our co main event, sorry, we had uh, Demir Ujmagulov versus Grant Dogson. No, nah, you heard it right. I said Dogson um, at Ooh. lightweight. Then, of course, for our main event, we had Strickland versus Magomedov at middleweight. Let me kick it off. Let's get into it with the opener, which, spoiler alert, did not go past the first round. This was Bruno, Hulk Smash, Fajeda, right? Hulk out Fajeda versus, uh, I might butcher, the name but Nursultan black ruseboev right so on the one hand we had bruno ferreira who i believe uh was coming off of dana white's contender series in which he won a contract in like impressive fashion recently knocked out gregory not allowed to frown anymore rodriguez back in january of this year like in impressive fashion So he was like on quite the streak and was looking to see if he can, you know, hulk out and smash our boy Nursultan Ruzabov, right? Nursultan Ruzabov, dude, his story actually, when I was listening to the to the broadcast, it's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, this was his um, debut in the UFC. He has been working on this for 10 years. Like, Damn. like what was his career uh, record by the time he got it? I think this was like his... 48th fight, his 48th professional fight in MMA, dude. Like it, it's pretty, it's pretty fucking wild. He's got 23 first round finishes. And he was on yeah. an eight-fight winning streak going into this. And this is something I gotta mention because if I don't, it won't sit right in my spirit. The dude is 6'5 and fighting at what was it? Was it no way? It couldn't have, lightweight? No, that's not right. That that couldn't have been right. It wasn't lightweight. Ain't no way that was lightweight. Maybe I took it wrong in my notes. I had to, have to tell me I took it. Oh, my. Oh. Yeah, it was middleweight. Oh, thank God. If it was lightweight, I would have I died. But, but yeah, he was fighting at middleweight. So the dude is 6'5 and was able to cut down to 183.5. That's not fair. But, you know, even with height differences, there are body type differences. He is the type of 6'5 that is very lanky, super lanky. The man's got long arms and long limbs. So we ended up with a classic matchup where you have the tall, lanky fighter versus the mm. average height fighter, right? So it ends up being a story of if you're rooting for the average height fighter, how does he manage to govern the distance or at least get past? Well, for the shorter fighter, it's how do they get past the distance, close in, and play their game? For the taller fighter, it's how do they govern the distance? How do they make use of their longest tools? Well, okay. Fajada had his moments where he was able to get some combinations off, throw some heavy leg kicks, right? then, I don't know if you want to say it was like a switch flipped, but this is what I will say. Ruzibov's download phase, first of all, he's from Uzbekistan. I don't know why I didn't mention that off the top. But his download phase was incredibly short because at some point, he got a read on those leg kicks. And what did he do? You like Faheta, leg kick? <laughs> Fejeda went for a leg kick. Ruzibov was like, hey, that looks cool. Let me grab that foot real quick. As he grabbed the foot, Fejeda's on one leg. Rizaboev throws an overhand right over the top, hits Fejeda so hard, knocks him off of his remaining foot and knocks him unconscious before he hits the canvas. Then he throws some ground and pound, which to be fair may have been unnecessary, but it is the fighter's job to do what they need to do until the ref stops the fight. And the ref ended up stopping the fight. Long story short, Rizabov by KO. What man. a way to make your long-awaited debut in the UFC. And clearly he was a little emotional during the in octagon interview. We get mm-hmm. it, man. You did your thing. You've been working hard for this. Good on you. Um, Matt, anything you want to say as I pass the mic over?
1: No, man. That the catch the leg. Here's the shot. That's it. That's Goodbye. Rare. Like No, that shit was crazy. It was really unexpected too. Yeah. It was yeah. super unexpected.
0: Like that was like tall that that was something only a tall lanky person could have done. I yeah. feel like anyone else tried something like that, they would be on the floor. <laughs> uh pretty much. Yeah. With that, you want to take us into Bonfim versus Saint Denis?
1: Oof. Yeah.
0: Another 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 brief grand opening, grand closing. <laughs> right.
1: Um so with this one. Apparently there was some talk back and forth uh, between them while they were in the cage. Um, Apparently, Ishmael Bonfim was, you know, had been jawing to him backstage, and even when they were in the cage and stuff. And apparently, it all backfired because clearly, Saint Denise, as I just as I've clearly alluded to, has won this fight. Um, I'm gonna say this that it's something I've been texting into the group chat as far as this fight is concerned. Um wrestling. Wrestling, 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 jitsu grappling. Like, man, grappling is just is it just has to be such a hallmark in in mixed martial arts, especially when you ascend to like a UFC level, because man, it's it's really crazy when you see a person get so outdone with the jujitsu that they are so like, they're just completely discombobulated. Like, yeah, they don't know up from down, left from right and stuff like that. Like you could tell when San Denise had him on the ground, especially once he ripped him from the cage, it was like, he didn't know what to do, man. He was swimming in canvas. And ultimately that led to that rear naked choke. Um, You know, which ultimately led to the victory. So, uh That fight, it was entertaining For as long as it lasted, but it was Just, it was clear as day, the minute he got Him off the fence, like He had no answer for him And he went on and realized that They weren't going to pay him differently if he stayed There for three rounds, so He went on and got the job done Uh, Did you have anything you wanted to add in on that, TJ?
0: I will say Bonfim hits hard yeah, It was definitely a differential in the sounds that were made off uh, the respective fighters' body when they hit each other. I'm not knocking saint He hits hard, but Bonfim's strikes were, the impact sound was very different. He was, saint hit with treble, Bonfim hit with bass. Granted, though, it wasn't enough to secure the victory because saint was like, that's crazy. You know what I can do but you can't do? Grapple. Um. Yeah, I have nothing else to add. Well,
1: with that, um, you want to go into our next one?
0: Yeah, I'll take us into women's flyweight with Ariana Lipsky versus Melissa Gatto. Uh, first of all, off top, these women are shredded, man. Like shred. I was looking. Melissa Gatto had me looking at my shoulders. Like I don't, I don't do enough. Like, like like, I don't flyweight. I do not do enough. Like uh ariani queen of violence lipski i don't want any smoke um we've covered her fights on the podcast before she's the feel like we covered her fight against Kashweta. Did we cover her fight against aldrich uh, maybe if it was main event like main card we probably covered it because i know her fight against Kashweta. we did cover that because it was a main card fight and then melissa gatto i think this might have been my first time covering one of her fights uh, since we started the podcast, right? Um, this is what I'm gonna say, though. Wait, no. Again, th- apparently she fought Tatiana. No, I'm thinking about Tatiana Suarez. Not, not, not Cortez. I don't think we covered that. If it was prelims, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but this is what I'm gonna say. They were pretty evenly matched, and I'm gonna say this too. It was a split decision for a reason. Now. If you look at the numbers, if you just focus on significant strikes, Melissa Gatto edged out uh, Ariani Lipsky for the first two rounds. But then Ariani Lipsky turned it up to like fifth gear in round three. And I think that might be the round that may have swayed two out of three of the judges to give her the decision, the split decision. The reason why I'm saying this is because she was letting her hands go, letting her combos go, being the queen of violence that she was, but she was also entering the realm of some grappling. I believe there were a few takedowns that happened in that third round that we hadn't seen in the first couple of rounds. But, excuse me, in terms of significant strikes and in terms of like who was actually receiving most more of the damage, it was close, really. And then that third round happened. I don't know. Um, I could see them running this back later on in their respective careers. Uh I think the right person won because it felt like Lipsky stepped on the gas and Gatto kind of stepped off the gas in that third round but it was super close to me. I was entertaining as hell those women can scrap. What did you think, Matt? Matthew
1: Yeah. What'd you think? Well, I don't know, man. I felt like
0: I caught you between bites. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'm not even gonna gonna stunt. You did catch me. I'm not gonna stunt. Um, I felt like, I don't know, man. At at first, I didn't feel necessarily like, because I watched this fight twice, I didn't feel like the right person won Hmm. uh, until I watched it the second time. Um, I think I was blinded a little bit more by the numbers as opposed to what I felt was effective. Um, yeah, because I, I generally thought I thought Melissa Gatto was getting a little more busy at first. And once I went back on it, I was like, Oh, damn, I might have been a little wrong. Ariani was she just was more effective on the feet, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And then and you know, at the same time, the failed takedown attempts gotta count for something. Mm-hmm. They really do. Um and I think that's more or less where I was coming from with it, because sometimes like just trying to push. The, I felt like she was trying to push the pace more. But shit, you know, looking at it the second time, she was trying to push the pace more because she was losing. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? I, it was just it was one of those fights where I had to, like, watch it again because I was kind of distracted when I watched it the first time, too. Mm-hmm. So. But that's pretty much where I was with uh with this one.
0: Well, then you want to take us into Max Griffin versus Michael Morales?
1: Yeah. This was a banger alert. Uh, You crazy for this one. Uh, We had Max Griffin and Michael Morales. Now, I don't know if we've covered Michael Morales before.
0: I'm not sure, man.
1: He did not look familiar to me. Um. And I'll tell you this. He was really impressive, at least as far as I felt. Um. But obviously, it goes without saying, uh, Max Griffin, unfortunately, did not pull it off this time. Uh, Michael Morales, in fact, did. Uh, I felt like. I don't know, man, it, it almost felt like he was in a totally different weight class, like he seemed like he was just much bigger than Max. Yeah, um, he definitely was faster. I mean, obviously, I know this fight was at well, but yeah, that jab did it all, man. But then again, you're right, like five eleven to six three. That's a huge gap. And man, he utilized it. Michael Morales, hands were beautiful. Uh, He really just danced around the ring and just controlled a lot of stuff with the jab. Uh, His strikes and stuff were very sharp. Um, You know, the kid's 23 years old. Uh, He has a really bright future ahead of him. I feel like, you know, especially to have the performance he had against a guy like Max Griffin. You know what I'm saying? Max Griffin's a tough guy. And I thought that, you know. It, it's no real way to put it other than it was kind of one-sided. Max Griffin is just tough as all hell. Yeah. Max Griffin was in the fight. I'm not saying that he wasn't, but it was kind of one-way traffic. Like, he yeah. was forcing desperation takedown attempts on Max Griffin, and Max wasn't even able to complete those. Um, it was just, you know, I, I we've talked about this before. When a person has length and they know how to use it, They it's, are a problem. Yeah, it's a problem, and that's a hundred percent what we saw in that fight. Yeah. Um, I yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. I felt like that was how I felt. <laughs> yeah. What about you, TJ?
0: Um, I just felt like once the jitters got out of Morales' system, uh then what was it round two and three, he was just hitting Max at will. Um yeah. like I don't want to say it was showboating, but it was getting, it was getting close to that. Like in round three, where he was like even lifting up the right arm, like "Hey, look over here!" Bop, jab. You know, it was getting pretty bad. And then the Superman punches were coming through at will. And then he was doing a thing where it looked like he was losing his bounce and falling into the cage, but that was actually one of his things that he does, where oh, let me figure out where this cage is so I can bounce off of it and Superman punch you. Because um, he did it a few times, actually. Uh, no, very impressive showing for for Morales, and um, I want to see Payne bounce back. I want to see Max bounce back. I think he's got plenty more in the
1: tank, man. It's just it was just one of those matchups, you know. Yeah, man. I mean he he ran into a young phenom on his way up. Yeah. Um. You know, this kid was fourteen and 0 coming into this. He's fifteen and 0 now.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, I to a degree kind of, no matter how you slice it, like to get into the double digits undefeated in MMA is in itself an achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, And then to be doing that in the UFC, you know, on top of that is also an achievement because, you know, in a lot of instances, these guys are some of the best fighters in the world. And this is his third fight in the UFC. he was a guy that came off the contender series. Yep. So, uh, you want to take us into our next one, or is it on me? Uh, no,
0: I think this one's on me. Yeah, uh, we had at <laughs> lightweight Demir Ishmagulov, uh, Demir Kazakh Ishmagulov Ooh. versus Grant KGD Dawson. Well, Dawson, I like calling them Dawson because mm-hmm. listen, I'm gonna keep it brief because this went to decision, but it was the same. Thing every single round. Every single round within 30 seconds, Grant Dawson shoots a single leg, turns it into a double, like sucks the legs in, somehow shuts down all of Demir's body movement, uh, scrambles up Demir's back, takes the back, then is trying to submit Demir Ismagulov, right? Now you're probably thinking like that happened every three rounds, under a minute into each round, and I'm gonna tell you yes.
1: Yes. Um, you're probably <laughs> yes. like, wait, he
0: tried to submit him with the rear naked choke every single round and didn't get it, and I'm going to say yes. yes. But there is something to it. For one, Grant Dawson's jiu-jitsu is amazing. He completely shut down Ishimagulov's ability to be able to strike, but he also was able to hold Ishimagulov down. A lot of times lately, we see people get the takedowns, get the jujitsu, but their opponents just bounce back up. Dawson's like, no, you're not. Doing that today. Um, but this is what I want to highlight that was actually kind of brilliant about uh Ismogulov's like choke defense. Mm-hmm. If you notice every time Grant Dawson got the back take, what he was immediately going for was a body triangle from the back, which is where you get um uh, your bottom leg, you want to get your shin, your cap muscle essentially to go around your opponent's hip and get your foot to float on top of their hip while your top leg you get the back of your knee to kind of uh, figure four, right? With your mm-hmm. bottom leg. So it's like you kind of shut down their hip mobility and then you can start kind of shutting down their arms and eventually work your way to the rear naked choke. Um, here's what Demir was doing with the lower half. Every time Grand Dawson was locking the body triangle on one of his hips, he would switch to the other hip so that he could get the locking mechanism of the body lock on the bottom, <clears throat> which eventually makes it easier, at least uh, increases your odds of being able to escape the body triangle. So Ismagulov was hella smart on that, constantly switching. But Dawson was onto it, too. He's like, oh, you fun to switch? I'm fun to switch. And they kept on playing that battle over and over every single round, right? The other thing Ismagulov was really good about doing... Now, if you ever look at the mechanics of a rear naked choke... It's important that you get, if you're the person executing the choke, you get your head in between the floor and your opponent's head. What was this Magalov doing every single time? He was also, he was fighting the hands, but he was also doing a really good job of getting his head uh, closer to the floor and getting Dawson's head away from that. So he was stopping mm-hmm. Dawson's choke attempts and then fighting it off in that manner. So there was like some brilliant moves going on, on both sides and, Part of me was also wondering why Dawson didn't just elect to go for like an arm bar or like a Kimura or American lock or something like that instead. But hey, if you're set on that rear naked choke, and to be fair, the rear naked choke has the stats to back it up. It is the single most effective submission that you might see in MMA. So I understand why he would go for that. But at some point, it's like, all right, he's clearly defending this. Let me go for the the joint lock. But not to shit on his performance because he – Fucking dominated for three straight rounds. Like he he may have had over twelve minutes of ground control time. Uh I'm I hesitate to say 15 minutes because it wasn't like he did get the full round of control time, but damn near. Um flawless performance on Dawson. Whatever they got cooking at American top team is working. That recipe is working with Dawson. He fucking crushed it. That's all I gotta say. Matt, I'm gonna pass it over to you. This is our co main.
1: Yeah, man. Uh wrestling.
0: Mm.
1: Wrestling. Gotta wrestle. You know, you got you got to. Every time, like, I'm I'm telling you, like, just more and more, like the the grappling differences, that that discrepancy changes the entire complexion of a fight. Mm. Especially if that person, like, and I mean like full grappling literacy, not like just getting somebody down, mm-hmm. right? Like you gotta know how to finish that shit once you get them on the ground, or at least how to keep them there. When you run into people like that, that can just get that control time, like and just burn you out on the clock like that. Like to me, that those type of fighters are super, super impressive. Yeah. Um. And I just ultimately was pretty impressed with the performance. I I felt like it was a worthwhile co-main. Um. I don't think it was nearly as wild as the main event, obviously, and we're about to get into that. But yeah. Oof. What a fight, man.
0: Bro, I just remember the last time we saw Dawson. It was when he went against uh Mark Madsen, the Olympian, and took his ass down. Yep. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. He's that dude. He's him. He should be on everyone's ra- uh, radar in the lightweight division at this point if he's not already.
1: Should be for sure. Yeah. We should um, take us into that main event, dog. So our main event, we had... Sean Strickland against, how do you say it, Abus? Abus Magomedov. Abus Magomedov. Um, Sean Strickland is, you know, relatively, has become pretty notorious recently. Um, And I guess notorious might be a mean way of saying it, but definitely has had like his a real meteoric rise uh, in the UFC, and if I'm not mistaken, oh no, this isn't his first main event, but Mm-mm. to in a way, it felt like his first main event, like it was about him, mm. uh, at least to me. So uh, this was also his return to uh, middleweight because the last fight he had, he had a light heavyweight mm-hmm. um, when he fought against Imavev, uh, Ima Imavev, yeah,
0: oh yeah I'm, I'm Yeah, but
1: mm-hmm. well, that was back in uh january that's true um, in this fight uh he, look man i know i've been saying wrestling now i'm gonna say hands <laughs> um, that was really the difference the fact that sean strickland consistently lets his hands go not really with reckless abandon but more so with uh a level of confidence. Like I'm just going to do this and that's, you're going to either accept it or not, but it's not going to stop me. You know what I'm saying? Um, Yeah. This also was, um, Michael Medoff's second fight in the UFC. He, you know, scored a 19 second first round finish, you know, in his debut fight. So with him trying to move himself along and move up, they just gave him a pretty big jump in competition. And yeah. Um, I wouldn't even necessarily say it was like the moment was too big because it wasn't as if Magomedov wasn't involved. It wasn't like he wasn't in the fight. It wasn't like he wasn't trying, you know, right. until he literally just got like it. This was, this was almost like an old, like Nick Diaz performance It was like, I, j- he just started punching this guy until he just didn't want to be in the cage anymore. Dude, it was bad. Like, There were points where he would like, jab, 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 eight punch combination. And he would look at the ref and the ref's like, beat his ass. (laughs) Like, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, this shit was crazy. You know, like Sean Strickland really just beat this guy literally into submission until he ultimately knocked him (laughs) out and then got on top of him and just KO'd him, you know? Yeah. Like there were times where this dude was literally like running, like turned yeah, shoulder he, run. Like, It was
0: not good body language.
1: Yeah. At it all. was a super impressive win for Sean Strickland. So we'll see what happens next up for him. Um, what did you have anything you wanted to throw in there, TJ? Nah,
0: well, I told you this off air, but it's like whenever Chris Curtis between round one and round two was just like, hey, double up that jab. I see some. And literally, as soon as he did that, the vibe changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, he, bro, it it was like, he hit him so hard. Like you literally saw Magomedov deflate in the octagon. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not joking. Like his posture was different. His attitude was different. There was a point where he threw like a jab, two jabs. And I want to say a right leg kick. And it, it was like, he was trying to throw them underwater. They were so slow. I, I kid you not guys like just get a chance to watch that fight. It was not great for Maga Madoff. Um, it's great for Strickland, but yeah, like Matt hit the nail on the head. He beat him into submission. I have nothing to add.
1: Well, with that, that will conclude our combat sports this week. Next week, we have UFC 290. When I tell you this is stacked, this bitch is stacked. Mm. Going from bottom to the top, we got Bo Nickel versus Treshawn Gore. We got Jalen Turner versus Dan Hooker. We got Robert Whitaker versus Dreykus Duplicis. We have Brandon Moreno versus Alexander Pantoja. And we got Alexander Volkanovsky versus Yair Rodriguez. We Mm. got two title fights in a main and co-main event. Mm. Um... Prelim card also has Robbie Lawler versus Nico Price, um, which is an insane main event. Also, Alonzo Menafield and Jimmy Crute are on the prelim as well. Yeah, So that's definitely something to look out for. Oh, and on Jay the... Dell is on the prelim,
0: I think, too. He is. Versus Jack, Sean Brady. Jack,
1: Jack Dell, uh, yeah, you just called it. Yeah. He sure uh, is. And
0: he is a du- he's been getting finishes, so look out for him if you guys catch those prelims.
1: Yeah, if you guys get a chance to catch those, check them out. On the boxing side, we have Jerron Ennis versus Romain Villa. Um, and we also have stan Jonas versus virgil ortiz Mm -hmm. that is on the zone and showtime respectively and that will conclude this episode of combat thank you guys so much for checking us out you can follow us all individually on social media you can follow me at matt hambrick that's m-a-t-t-h-a-m-b-r-i-c-t-j Y'all can find me on Instagram at Tusk4Skate. That's T-U-S-S
0: number four underscore S-K-A-T-E. And you can find Bryce on Instagram at A-S-H-E underscore Onsa.
1: That's A X E underscore O-N-C-A, baby. And you can follow us at Now Mind you Podcast, wherever you'd like to get your social media and wherever you'd like to get your podcast. We are on all platforms. If you guys got any questions, concerns, you guys want to talk to us about fights, you guys got any thoughts about how the fights went or You know, you guys want to debate some of your feelings on how we felt about the fights. Feel free to hit us up. With that said, peace out, guys, and you guys be safe. Peace.